And we are here with Dr. Broderick Sawyer for the last time on Mental Radio. Last time ever. Last time ever. Well, probably. What is this about? What's going on, Dr. Broderick? Why is this the last time we are going to see you on Mental Radio? Why is this your swan song after uh, several months of podcast? Oh, wow. That sounds so beautiful. Well, this is my swan song. I would call it the, I guess, more of a, of a, a caterpillar situation. We're going into a cocoon, and we are emerging into a bit of a new brand, a bit of a spinoff. There we go. A reimagining. A, re-imagining. a collaborative reimagining. Yes, yes. Getting more specific, getting more creative, uh, going in, I don't know, I guess it would say a more niche direction, but a needed niche. Sometimes you got to right, right, branch right. off to really go into that direction in particular, I guess. Yeah. So from my perspective, we've been doing um, podcasts for a, for a while and, you know, we both decided that, yeah, this is something we probably want to do long term. And you know, me- mental radio and mental health media, it, it is a project that I'm going to keep uh, going and alive. But the vision of that project was always to... Um, have like all of the ways that there are to recover from mental illness. Um, it wasn't like, like the, the, the focus was not to have a focus. Mm-hmm. The focus was to like find something for everybody that they can connect with if they've been struggling. <clears throat> and that's not necessarily what you want to do. And it's not necessarily what the best thing that we can do together. Mm-hmm. And it was also something that came from me and my experience. Uh, and I, I just, sat down and said, you know what, if we're going to be working on something together, we should come up with a project that we are both creating from Mm. the ground to have that creative spark, Mm -hmm. that ownership, and we both feel like we can make something that the world wants to hear. Right. Something stylish, something cool, you know? And and if something is coming from, I guess, one person, I like the way you put that, if something is coming originally from one person and another person sort of hitches a wagon, if that wagon is, you know, some light skinned black dude talking about meditation and self actualization or this or that, um, then why not just have two wagons, you know, mm-hmm. and then they can really hold their that level of individuality. But I'm really in particular excited about just really going full fledged into what it is that we're talking about, which is this um, notion of how do I see myself clearly and get out of my own way um, as I recover from from mental illness. And mm-hmm. I think the the unique perspectives here you have on the one hand. Um, for yourself, you know, a patient, also a documentarian, you know, um, uh, social anarchist. Can I say that? Is that a, is that? Can I? Can I? I'm. I. I would. Uh, I certainly associate with some oh, social. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Putting a di- you diplomat. You that was, was very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so then you have on the one hand that then you have me this kind of. Fresh out of graduate school, PhD, who uh, renegade cop refuses to play by the rules. Um, I'm not talking about today's cops. I'm talking about the ones from the movies in the 80s who were cool and beat people up. Um, uh, Kidding, kidding. Uh, 
but you sort of have a bit of that anarchist brand in in myself and being able to mm-hmm. talk about uh, not just my experiences and expertise and what they taught me uh, in my clinical psychology program and just in the field, but also the commentary on the on the system of mental health care, being able to authentically talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, stakeholders in you know the research that goes into treatment that then affects people and mental health systems, whether we're talking about one-on-one therapy with Joe Schmo down the street, or if we're talking about mental hospitals and the the political things that really go into that. Um, so people want to talk about that. But then also, more importantly, me being on the other side of the couch uh, as a patient myself um, to really be able to use our experiences um, and, and our, you know, our creative juices to really uh, hammer home uh, a certain message that then can uh, capture a lot of other things, whether we're talking about trauma, we, you know, from our experiences, from our, you know, from our different styles, or we're talking about meditation or holistic health or stigma relationships. Uh, it's, it's really endless. Um, if viewers saw our, our Google doc, they would see kind of why our Google doc of ideas, they would see why we're, you know, moving in this direction, but there's a lot there, man. So the brand is going to be called the, the title of a new podcast is going to be called I versus I. And it is that, that, that primarily that perspective of you are the person that you have to deal with in your own recovery, you know, more than anything else. At the same time, it does open up a space to talk about society, to talk about race, to talk about discrimination, to talk about, um, the trauma of generations past, because mm-hmm. that is, and that still has overlap to the individual, of course. But it's not one or the other. It is how that all kind of works together, and that is just it's a very natural um, is a, a very natural focus for the work I was already doing because I was a patient who the mental health system did not work for, and I was you know, putting out the beacon on Twitter, does the mental health system not work for you? Uh, who's out there? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people were people who were dealing with racial discrimination and racial injustice because the mental health system is not designed for a lot of people, especially black folks, especially people coming from other marginalized communities. Um, so this is a conversation also about uh, you know working on yourself be and and having that level of autonomy mm-hmm. in your recovery because the systems of that we have are not designed for everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot of overlap between different types of people and just looking for what else might be out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And and I and I love this and it's something that I tell patients a lot. It's something that I felt was kind of ingrained in me from a very young age um, was that if you want to get something done, uh, you're looking at, you know, look in the mirror. That's that's who's going to hold most of the responsibility. And um, it's it's odd that these systems, they they beg us to trust them, but then just screw people over. And Mm -hmm. and it's and the even odder part is that the faith that I see in professionals and mental health professionals trusting the system, telling their patients to trust the system, uh, but then not even knowing, you know, what um, stakeholders 
are really pulling the strings, where the treatments come from, just a lot of the the oppression that really go goes into the mental health system. Um, so it's just sort of a, a level of naivety that uh, yeah. produces so much suffering, um, both at you know, we're talking about mental health care, but, you know, what else affects mental health? Well, the government affects mental health. And one of the biggest things for me, just in terms of like race based trauma, the moment I relaxed uh, into being a black man was the moment I started to not trust the government at, you know, with mm-hmm. my life. You know, I sure, of course, like we pay our taxes, you know, we we do everything we got to do. We're cordial, we're polite, whatever. But at the end of the day, if I want to work towards a world where anyone can be free to be exactly who they are, the government does not is not set up in such a way that allows for that. And while, you know, we have to participate, we also can do, um, you know, can do things on the side that help contribute to that society. But it can't be within these really broken systems. Um, So it's it's a it's a bit of, you know, giving up on the working from within the system and uh, and just speaking truth uh, straight to people based on our our expertise and, and our experience. And I think this new project will really allow uh, for more of that that space in a really authentic and, and fluid way. You know, it's incredible how backwards our our institutions are, you know, like and they don't see it and they can't and now they're scrambling you know after george floyd they're scrambling and we just we just pitched a panel to nami washington because they're fucking scrambling like they don't even know they're like oh wait this system doesn't work for everybody it doesn't work and they and they're like well why i'm like it's a it's clear that they've never spent time in neighborhoods or communities unlike their own, yeah. you know, and like, and, and then a lot of therapists are that way too. Like they have like blanket advice. They don't understand the family dynamics of, you know, of, of immigrant, of black, of, uh, of just of, of people that have that a different type of community than an upper class, upper middle-class white standard. Mm-hmm. And everything, if you can't understand the, the family dynamics, mm-hmm. if you don't have a clue that a lot of people, if not, I don't know, most, a huge amount of America yeah. does not exist in this isolated mm-hmm. nuclear family, upper middle class. We have, we get everything delivered and we have, you know, the maid comes on Friday and we have, the, you know, like this, yep. you don't get no. it. And, and when if you don't get it, you're so fucking off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with your listening and believing yeah. at people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and it creates a society where there's so much tension. So if more listening happened, there would be less tension, which is good for everyone. You know, but I think power is is really at its core the ability to not have to answer for your crimes, to not have to hold yourself accountable. And uh, and in that way, when we think about oppressive systems, like I versus I doesn't just mean the oppressed. Mm-hmm. It also means the oppressors because they're in one way or another, you know, sort of standing in their own ways of really, truly being happy, just holding on to power and saying, this is the way that it is. Bah, 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 do what I say. You know, that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of tension and paranoia. So I versus I is really how do we all actualize ourselves uh, through relating to ourselves in 
in the most, uh, you know, health promoting ways. Uh, and then in that way, we can take a, a lot of uh, or really the most control we can, which is that control over our own minds um, and, and then receive assistance in that, whether that's resources or community or different things. Um, but I, I really just want to share a quick anecdote of when I really recognized in graduate school, especially the problems with the mental health system, uh, I was being forced into diagnosing a young black man with narcissistic personality disorder as a grad student. And only black person in this uh, treatment team setting and this white doctor and all the other grad students were basically didn't didn't know shit about the community didn't know you know what what swagger really does for someone mm. who has their back in the wall like what do you want me to do like feel like shit about myself instead of having just brazen confidence as this and this this young man was you know um really uplifting and empowering himself and they were pathologizing this um so then in that moment i i you know i, I mean you know hopefully they're not watching this but i, I made a decision to not put that in their chart. I put something mm. nebulous in their chart. And uh, and then I said, hey, man, you got a lot of strengths here. You got a lot of confidence. You know, what do you want to do with this? How do you want to take who you are, exactly who you are, and help achieve the goal? Help. How do we want to take that and then achieve the goals that you want to achieve, you know, rather than me saying, well, you have narcissistic personality disorder, so there's something wrong with you. You know, and and I feel very similarly to, to him, especially as I started to embark on my own journey. I realized like, yeah, like charisma, having really fast thoughts, having really intense emotions, um, you know, different things like that. There are good and bad parts to, to all of that. But the mental health system, just labeling people and just systems overall, labeling people as if there's some law or ultimate reality about what is and what isn't, not understanding that your reality is created by your preferences and thoughts and fears. And you're just, you can't write a law and say that this is absolute reality unless you're some enlightened being, which no, you know what I mean? Like no lawmakers are, are that way. No, come on. You know, so, th and then that ends up invalidating people, making them feel like they're somehow wrong you know, or or flawed, and just to to remove that that veil, I think would do so much for people who are in recovery, um, even if they don't go to therapy. That's what that's one of the first things that first things that I try to mm. blow up when I'm working with people is that hey, there's nothing wrong with you. This DSM code is just to get your insurance to bill, blah blah blah. Like mm. it doesn't mean anything, but um, so so much to so much to do, man. So many illusions about what's good and what's and what's bad and what's healthy and what's not. If we just removed all those illusions, we would just see the core, which is people who want to love and be loved. That's everybody from A to Z. And if we lived in that reality, uh, I think things would be a lot less confusing. There'd be a lot less suffering. Um, we just need to get our, our noses out of the books and, and, into, and into just real life, into experience, into what it means to be human, you know? Hmm. I had a moment at my lowest point, my absolute lowest point, where I had already had, I don't know, one or two unsuccessful suicide attempts. And I remember just being so just destroyed by being over medicated for whatever reason. 
And I just thought to myself, if I come back, if I come back from this, I have to be myself and I have to tell the truth. Mm. And like, I was in a place where I couldn't, I was isolated. I didn't, I was scatterbrained, but there was this, this, this core truth that I could see that there was something about not being able to have my own in, in my own integrity within myself to be who I am that was contributing to the suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is just such a key point. And when you look at it that way, um, it just becomes very plain to see how mental health care is lacking for so many people, yeah. especially if they don't fit into this very small box mm -hmm. on how, and how all of our people who are neurodivergent, who don't fit into a box or, or a gender that the doctor doesn't really know about, or just anybody who's misunderstood. And then you get treatment based on, by somebody who's telling you how to be who doesn't understand who you are right or who they are that's f <laughs> this it becomes very clear of like where, what needs to happen but you know that that's not really a conversation and i do think uh this is a new conversation i think in 30 years this will be a plain conversation but i do think we are uh setting a trend a little bit here or at least i i hope so because when you look around the media landscape now in mental health what i see is clinicians who are very sterile not talking about their own experiences not talking about their own emotions very often and then uh, patients who don't have a lot of hope yeah you know there's if you look at websites like the mighty there's not a lot of empowerment mm -hmm. And that's not to say like I don't like that. That's not to say that like I'm saying despair in recovery is wrong. Like yeah. there's moments mm -hmm. I've been there mm -hmm. for years. Likewise, um, that doesn't mean that it's that's not appropriate. But there's this just this huge lacking of mm -hmm. the the warrior spirit to get back in the mm -hmm. fight to and and get free and and heal yourself. Like that is yeah, missing. Man. And I think that is the energy that we initially like connected on mm -hmm. because you started like quoting Malcolm pretty early mm -hmm. and I started talking about, you know, just different Panthers and mm -hmm. Angela. And this is like, that's that, there's always that in the, in, in the 60s, that black radicalism, the black radical movement of the 60s, there was this tone of, of exactly that, yeah. of it's on us to get ourselves yep. free at any cost. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And get whole. And stop believing, you know, the labels that are being put upon us, you know? And uh and that that piece of hopelessness and despair within recovery, I think in large part is from this this pathology this pathology, you know, being being pressed onto people. And then people say, oh, well, you know, just in, when you listen to, you know, uh, in treatment teams, it's like, oh, so-and-so this age has this disorder, that disorder. And then they start talking about what's wrong with them. Like, that's projection city, man. You know, all you're going to mm -hmm. see is this person's disorder. And then when you start to interact with this person, all you're going to interact with is the disorder. Now, I know you don't want to reinforce the disorder, but if that's all you interact with, then that's what they're going to see themselves as, 
you know, rather than seeing, uh, you know, not just the the likes, the dislikes, you know, the the other you know nooks and crannies, but then also seeing how the disorder can be transformed into something beautiful and, and something uh, that that is deep and meaningful and, and connects us, you know, to this deeper human truth that is uh, we all suffer. You know, and, and when we pathologize, we we almost turn our nose up at it like, oh, well, this hurt person suffers. So there's something wrong with them, something that must be removed or ac- extracted And this whole idea of of dualism, this or that within the Western mind, things that we can just isolate, you know, parts of humans. And no, no, no. Suffering is a part of being human. And so how do we talk about mental health in such a way that includes that very human experience of suffering, normalize it so then people aren't laying around, you know, in a depressive episode saying, oh, I'm suffering, so something's wrong, right? That right there creates a relationship with suffering that then says something's wrong with me, I need to isolate myself, or I need to shove down my experience of suffering, and then that leads to, uh, I mean, you know, from substance use to toxic masculinity to whatever you want to you know, um, do to numb yourself from that suffering, just from the messaging around it. Um, so man, th- this, this eye versus eye stuff, it's to me, removing a veil is very simple. And once a veil is removed, an opportunity arises to interact with my suffering in a different way, uh, in a new way. And then we can really see how powerful the mind is and how powerful these these labels are when I label myself as bad versus good versus not at all. What happens then? What happens when I buy into, uh, you know, my my teacher saying uh, my meditation teacher talking about how to transmute strong emotions like sadness into compassion versus sitting in front of a therapist and then saying, oh, you're, you're sad. Well, let's Let's substitute that sad thought for a happy thought. Like, that's bullshit, you know? And anyone who's suffered knows that, you know? And and that's, as a society, we need to be connected to that. And really, it's just removing this veil that, you know, we're humans so that we shouldn't suffer. You know, like, no, you do. No reason to lie about the secret that we're all carrying around the same secret, you know? And that has real, very real consequences for mental health people in recovery, mental health folks. I've I've been in so many recovery circles trying to find a good one where I felt supported, but I've time after time after time, I find circles where even if somebody is feeling good, they can't even imagine being whole. Mm. They, 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 you know, people... Uh, in general, there is like a culture of of I have this diagnosis, mm-hmm. I take these pills and they work, so therefore it's never going to get. This is as good as it could ever get, and mm-hmm. I just want to blow that out of the water. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I I have talked to people over and over and over and over who have found real recovery. Does that mean that they're perfect and they don't have to have real boundaries and don't have to really take care of themselves and don't have to be really mindful about their relationships? No, it doesn't mean that you get to just all of a sudden become like this super person that doesn't feel pain anymore. You might always have that sensitivity and that pain. You might need 
treatment. You might, I don't know mm -hmm. if maybe there are people out there that might need uh, a certain medicine for the rest of their lives. I, I'm not saying don't do that, mm -hmm. but I am saying I want to spark hope for people and their imagination that they can live more mm. and they can be more of themselves mm. because that's missing mm -hmm. and this mental i've never seen an article on the mighty f with from that perspective mm -mm. yeah man it's uh because I, I think we and we you know we talked about this a uh, little bit like we're so about raising awareness saying oh this horrible thing exists Oh, this horrible thing exists, mental illness, and it's really isolating, really painful, and da 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 da. Well, I, I'm pretty sure a lot more people are aware of it, you know, than than not. They're just not talking about it because they don't see anybody, any models who are talking about it and then providing different avenues than, oh, pathology, take pills, go to therapy the rest of your life. It's hopeless. You know, so it's sort of this self-fulfilling. Uh, kind of thing that makes it, it kind of pigeonholes people into that despair. Also, oh, if someone knows I have mental illness, then they're going to slap all of the and project all these labels onto me, you know. But then there are plenty of people who might ha might qualify or might be diagnosable who just aren't going to therapy, you know, or who aren't you know, or just find different ways to live their lives despite their struggles. And if they can live their lives despite their struggles, then do they really have a disorder at all, or are they just human? You know, it's uh, living in a tough time in a tough society that has incredible historic stress on yeah, it. Yeah, man. Right, like we're all here. Nobody's a robot. Mm -hmm. I know, and I know a lot of people who thought they were fine for a long time, and now they're not fine. So it's time to look at this from a different, uh, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You know that. Yeah, the people out there they don't have all the answers. Mental health, you know, illnesses are still sky. But even before the current crises, um, you know, the the current coronavirus, the economic crisis, you know, this new the the, the new whatever racism push and push back and that conflict, even before all of that, mental health was was going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, the system yeah. was on the losing side of that fight. So it's time for a new fight. It's time for new to try on new perspectives. Yeah. And I'm, I really hope that we can uh, spark a few people. I know, I mean, I know, I know we already have, like I, or uh, we, we already get feedback mm -hmm. of, of this being helpful. Um, and the other focus before, before, you know, I, the other thing, as far as a format wise, you're not going to listen to Jesse and Broderick ramble mm -hmm. with the manic energy for, mm -hmm. for three hours on a podcast anymore. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to limit the episodes to 20, 30 minutes. So there'll be more bite-sized, more focused. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing before we, we, we wind down, there's also this key to following these conversations or at least understanding these conversations that we are both people who meditate every day and have for years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, of these conversations, it's not even, I mean, I think we both enjoy philosophy, but a lot of it is just the, the conversations around the inner exploration that happens around like, like with a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And, and also, you know, to piggyback like that inner exploration, uh, I think I, you know, sometimes I'll ramble into my voice notes or whatnot. And, uh, you know, last night inspiration, 
you know, struck a, a little bit. And, and what I said was something like philosophy is simple, embodiment is difficult. And the philosophy of mental health and living in a self-actualized way is sitting with yourself. Sit with yourself and forget everything society taught you for just a minute, just a few minutes a day. Just, just sit there. Forget everything that everyone says about you. Forget, forget all that stuff, even what you say about yourself. Sit with that. Find what's very, very, very deep. And then when you find it, express it. Find it and express it. And we get so cut off, you know, from who we really are, the soul, really. And that's what this is really about for me is helping people connect with that, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through just listening to me and Jesse Ramble for a little bit, you know, or, or some guests that we might have on. Uh, that That's what this is really about. And I versus I isn't in, meant to be an adversarial thing, but just more so how am I uh, contributing uh, in any way to my being trapped within within my own struggles due to the confusion caused by the societal labels, you know? And if you can just think, I mean, how many opportunities do we really have? How many invitations do we really have to have that moment right? daily? So uh, I'm really hoping that we can create something uh, exciting and new and fresh and, um, you know, you'll be able to find the pods on the same mental radio feed. You know, we're not going to make it harder for you to to get them. Um, but I, I do hope uh, with this new focus and having this collaboration that there's going to be something um, really special as as we uh, as we move uh, through 2020 and into 20, 2021. Um, and hope that we can uh, just remind you of who you are and that it's okay to be who you are and and where you're at mm -hmm. just every day during these just unprecedented times. You know, like we all need that. I need that. I, this just talking to you and having these conversations has given me so much um, just validation of my own humanity. Mm. So I hope that means that we're on the right path. Yeah. Um, nice man. I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, what comes next. Yeah, word me, me as well, man. Yeah, in these conversations, I felt much more unleashed in in terms of, you know, who I really am, expression wise. You know, it's it's certainly it's certainly a practice, and I, you know, I, I do want folks to to know that when you when you are in recovery, and no matter if you're educating on it or not, every every moment can be a healing moment if you're aware, you know, of how how you can move yourself forward and what sets you back and just having that compassion for yourself as you move move through the process. Whether you're just, you know, whether you're just chilling on your couch or you're on a podcast or whatever, you know. Every moment is a moment for for self-compassion and and for compassion in general. Um well said, Dr. Broderick. Um Thank you. Any 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 other thoughts before we sign off uh, Me the mental radio feed? Uh, no no other thoughts, man. 
No, that's a first. It is, man. I feel because <laughs> now, because now, because now I know I'll have plenty of other space. Write them down. Yeah, write them down for I versus I coming soon. Um, you'll be able to. I don't know. I don't know when is going to be launch day. We're going to start recording a bunch of stuff, and then we're going to figure out how to organize it. There's going to be a great new look. I, I really think this whole thing might turn into a fashion line. I think mm-hmm. that is where I'm very excited yes. about what uh, I got cooking over there. But it'll be soon. But you don't have to subscribe to anything. Just just check in with me and Dr. Broderick. Uh, Twitter is both our main platforms. Um, at Zookman, at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Dr. Broderick is at Broderick, B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K, uh, A-88. Should be on the screen somewhere here mm-hmm. if you're watching or in the show notes. Um, or you could find us on Facebook. Facebook is okay. Um, I'm going to make a, like a disclaimer on Facebook too, because Facebook is just so bad for mental health, but that's a whole, that's a whole other episode (laughs) before we get in there. Uh, thank you, Dr. Broderick for your time today. And I will see you. Yes. Very soon, my friend. On the, on the new show. Sounds good, my man. Thank you.